But right now I want to talk to Rebecca Kiger. She is, among other things, a teacher, a documentary photographer. Recently she's done some work uh, in East Palestine, Ohio, where the train demit realm was. Had a front-page picture of the town meeting last week uh, in the Washington Post. What's especially cool to me is she's working with a group of students who also had a picture published in the Post. That's really neat. I invited her to join us this morning here to talk about that. Good morning, Becky. Becky, can I call you Becky, or do you prefer Rebecca? It's Rebecca. <laughs> Thanks, Howard. Good to talk to you. Good to, good to talk to you. Um, I, I want to talk about your students and the, and the work you're doing with them, which is kind of cool. But I'm curious, just when you were in East Palestine, you've got, you were up there quite a good bit the past couple of weeks, right? I've been up there a few days uh, for the Washington Post and maybe going up more for them um, or possibly more on my own. I may have an opportunity to work on it long term for the same program that um, the students are working on their project for this year. Tell me, before we talk about the project with the students, because I think that's neat, but yeah. what did you see? What, I mean, give me some sense of your firsthand viewing of East Palestine. Palestine. What did you see? What reactions? I mean, talk to me about being there a little bit, because I haven't talked to anybody who's actually been there. Well, I think, um, you know, for people who live in the Ohio Valley, uh, you know, it's a place that's going to look familiar, right? Uh, It's not far from the Ohio River. It has train tracks that run right through the center of town. Um, The day that I arrived, there was a really strong chemical smell, and people ask, um, describe what it's like. And of course, we're all familiar with things that we've smelled before, gasoline, you know, bleach, but I had never smelled anything like this. It was the first time many people had smelled that in um, since the accident. I would say the mood in the town is there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of concern anger, but these are folks who are also uh, hardworking and very resilient and are, are determined, and you saw that at the town hall, and I see that when I go around town and talk to people. There's a lot of distrust because of the way things rolled out. First, it was revealed that vinyl chloride was the problem, but later additional chemicals were added to that list. You know, if you walk around, there are workers uh, cleaning all around the town, um, well, focused mostly on the site of the derailment, and also in this creek that runs through town, Sulphur Creek, and it's happening round the clock, but if you talk to those workers, nobody will reveal what's happening. I met a man, for example, who drove to the creek and, you know, he was a laborer himself and he realizes he's yelling at other workers, but he just wanted to know where the wa- where the water was being carried, right? They're just uh, 
things that are not transparent, and that's fueling a lot of distress and concerns. You said you you smelled something you realized you'd never smelled before. Did it scare you to smell that? I think what is scary is that it, by the end of the day, my chest was really heavy. And mm. even the reporter that I was working with who came, I first worked with a freelance reporter who'd come in to work for the Post. Uh, he came in from Pittsburgh until um, a reporter arrived from the Post, and, you know, he had headaches. Lots of people are complaining about headaches. But what becomes confusing is none of the workers are wearing masks. They're all saying the air is fine, but what many people are feeling is contradictory to that. For example, I met a man who lives probably, he lives a couple blocks from the derailment site. Six-week-old baby. Um, no, three-week-old baby, pardon me. I met him as he was leaving town uh, with his fiance and their brand-new puppy and the baby. He told me that he works along the tracks that everyone in that business returned this past Monday, so a week ago. And by Wednesday, the business shut down, and all workers were sent away because of headaches, rashes. Um, you know, it, it's really confusing based on what you're hearing from, you know, agencies about the air being safe and yet people kind of having ongoing symptoms to what is, you know, not visible. Yeah. The EPA, the the EPA, the Osanko, the Ohio River uh, Agency, uh, Ohio Department of Health and so on have all indicated that uh, everything is okay. Uh, but I, listen, I'm I'm on the outside looking in. But I got to tell you, even I am skeptical about that. Are you obviously what you're telling me is that a lot of townspeople are skeptical about that as well? Yes, there's definitely skepticism. But I met um, there is a um, a church right out of right outside of town where they've set up a location where folks can go and meet with Norfolk Southern staff and take, um, you know, be reimbursed. There's an inconvenience fee that folks can get. And I met um, a woman in her 70s and, um, you know, somebody that she um, shares living with there. And they have well water, and it still hadn't been tested, right? So it's not just a matter of skepticism. It's a matter of we've been told not to drink well water. Nobody's tested our well water. So you're, they're living in limbo. Mm-hmm. And then um, soil testing had not started. So for folks who are living even just a block from the, the site, and there's farmland all along there in addition to residential areas. There are um, residents who've called 
uh, Norfolk Southern to ask, uh, speaking with toxicology, asking for soil testing. And one resident reported that no, the person that he spoke with said there had not been enough interest. Things may have shifted since then. I believe there is going to be soil testing, and I believe the, um, the Ohio EPA has said that you know they will do whatever they need to do for as long as they need to do it to make sure things are safe. But again, people are living with a lot of unknowns about what they've been exposed to, what the long-term effects are going to be. And regardless, they realize that they're now living in an area where there's been this chemical accident and the values of their homes have plummeted. And for those renting, they can leave. But for those who have decided to settle there because they love the town, because they've grown up there, it may be really difficult to leave and also painful to leave the place they love. You know, you mentioned soil uh, testing. It's been interesting to me that um, there's been a lot of attention paid to the water, um, whether we believe or believe the, the numbers that we hear, but there's been a lot of attention paid to water pollution. Some mm-hmm. to air, it's only been, in the, at least to, uh, to my knowledge, it's only been the last few days people are starting to realize that there's the ground pollution, soil pollution, is going to be a, a serious problem as well. And, in fact, if I am anything like an environmental expert, which I'm not, Right. Um, that's that soil that soil uh, contamination could be really more serious in terms of long term effects. I'm not an environmental expert expert either, and I can't really say. My sense is that the immediate focus is on the water because they are. That's a situation where they're. They've actually built a dam in the city park. Um, That seems to be a place where they could set this up to kind of stop the water and deal with it. As as we know, the the last I heard, it was, you know, past Huntington, West Virginia, right? They've been monitoring Mm -hmm. the water, uh, even though levels aren't over standards set by the EPA. But, yeah, you know, the thing that I heard almost everybody I talked to there is they all grow gardens. They, they grow, yeah. gar- you know, it's a residential area, but they all grow gardens in their yard. And the question on their mind is, can I continue to do that? And, you know, until that testing is done, we won't know. Rebecca, uh, did you experience any skin irritation, or was you able to pretty much stay covered up completely? Uh, I didn't experience skin irritation, but I, like I said, that first day, my chest was really heavy. When I was close to the track, they were an N95. Again, it was very confusing because nobody doing remediation, cleaning up, they weren't wearing masks. Um but, yeah, my lungs were heavy, and I definitely had just kind of a low-grade headache happening. Um, and I have other friends who are there photographing for Getty and other organizations, and they've reported the same thing. 
do you, is it, you said you may be going back and doing some more work there, and there's a lot of work to be done, I think, both in terms of scientific exploration and journalistic investigation. But mm -hmm. uh, does that bother you? I mean, does that concern you a little bit about going back into that area? Because of the potential of, yeah, you know, breathing in and so on? It's one of my concerns. I'm trying to weigh... I'm trying to weigh the costs and benefits. You know, I want to, it's just an hour and 20 minutes up the river, right? So yep. I'm close enough that I could go and continue to work on the story, and I believe I would have support to do that. But I'm just weighing, you know, what are the health, health risks, um, and how do I balance you know, a commitment to that with other responsibilities I have. But it's really important. At some point, the news will pull out. And, you know, what's going to happen to the story and, you know, the 4,600 folks that live there and people in the surround surrounding areas that are also concerned. Yeah, it's going to be a, I mean, we've focused, as the news media tends to do, on the immediate impacts today and tomorrow and the next day. It's going to be a long-term story in terms of both impact and effects and also figuring out what happened and how to stop it and all that kind of stuff. Rebecca, every picture I have seen, not talking about your pictures, but most of the pictures that come out of there are pictures of, you know, the, the giant plumes of smoke and the fire in the beginning and the the derailment, they're almost apocalyptic scenes. Is there any sense of normalcy going on around it that we're not seeing in these pictures? I mean, are people trying to just go about living daily lives, or has the town come to a dead stop? No, people are back to normal living. You know, I arrived, the first day I arrived, McDonald's was an easy place to uh, meet the folks from WVU that I was connecting with that day. And just like in many McDonald's across the country, there were probably six elderly um, <laughs> men sitting there having their coffee and conversation. And the day, the last day I was there, I stopped in uh, a barber shop or a beauty salon and spoke with a woman, you know, she was there cutting hair, and this this was, you know, right down from the train tracks and the derailment. And, you know, she's, she's concerned. She has lost a certain amount of clients that she would you know, usually see. Uh, but people are, you know, subway right down from the derailment is open. All the stores are the the hard thing is people who live in the area questioning whether it's safe. Some are back, some are not. You know, people who have very young children are especially, you know, wary of returning. So it's a mixed bag, yes and no. So many more things I'd like to ask about, but a lot of things are probably still very much up in the air right now. So probably still hard for everybody to get a handle on what comes next once we move forward. But I, I want to shift gears just for a second because I do want to talk about you took a, a group of students, graduate students as I understand it, uh, on a, 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 a school project that sounds like 
going to Kenny Ward, but, <laughs> but on a uh, on a on a school project with you. And they took they were doing photography up there as well. And what's really cool is they got uh, Washington Post uh, coverage as well. Yeah, so I have worked in some schools here along the Ohio River for the last six years through a couple different grants. This year I have, again, I have a grant from the Ohio Arts Council, and again, I'm at Belair High School. We've had different projects over the year, but interestingly, our entire year is focused on stories about the environment. And we received an additional grant to do those stories through something called, it's a new project called the Center for Contemporary Documentation that is inspired by the work the FSA photographers did in the 30s to document stories about the environment. This is happening nationally. that can later be archived. So to see this unfold while we're working on our own stories was, Coincidental doesn't seem like the right word, but through, through this program, I've been able to hire a variety of mentors that work with the students in Belair. For example, we have an environmental reporter with a master's from Columbia School of Journalism. We've also partnered with the professor at WVU who comes and teaches the students in Belair how to fly a drone. Now, I was not able to take any students from below that day, but I still went with this mentor and the grad students that are also working on this project. They did drone work the first day, and one of those photos was front page in the Washington Post. So for that professor at WVU, for myself, we... It's exactly why you teach, right? You're, you're trying to give other people opportunities, show them how things work. And uh, they made an amazing uh, photo because the, the cars are still there, the cars of the train. They've just been scooted to the side so that trains, that trains can continue to pass through East Palestine. So, yeah, it was... It was uh, a great feeling for for everyone to be able to to share that. Yeah, for uh, grad stu- I, I guess they're all graduate students. That that's a pretty big deal to get into the Washington Post. I know that many people do, but still, that's and front page nonetheless. Um, yeah. I ask you what 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 the people of the town said when you were there. I'm curious about the students. You yourself. Uh, have done environmental photography and, and, and probably environmental disasters aren't totally unknown to you. But I don't know if this might be some of those students' first first hand experience in seeing this kind of thing. Uh, how do the students react to the scene, to react to the incident itself? So when I returned to uh, Belair High School, where I work with the photo students there, just brought everything into focus that we've been talking about this year. For example, one of the things that we are trying to understand and report on is the fact that the water in Bridgeport, Ohio, became undrinkable two and a half years ago and will never be drinkable again, right? 
I have students in that class who live in Bridgeport. You know, this isn't some abstract story. This is a story that directly impacts their lives. So these are the topics we've been covering all year. Now, something like that happens over time. That The water becoming contaminated in Bridgeport did not happen in an instant. But what the environmental disaster in East Palestine illustrated is how it can how it can happen in an instant. Um, yeah, they feel very concerned and uh, shocked. And now, with the foundation of this year of discussing these issues, they have more a perspective of how it intersects with their lives and affects everybody in our area. Now, you said you are thinking about going back, you may get assigned to go back, or you may go back to do some more work there, but you've got to weigh a number of things, which I hear that. Are the students done with this project, or will they conceivably go back at some point, too, with you? Well, we had the specific assignment uh, that first okay. day of doing some drone work, which is why I roped in the WVU folks to come and participate. I after being there and having some of the symptoms I've had, I feel a little wary to take students there. Uh, yeah, so that's something I would have to weigh as well at this point because, you know, one thing to consider is that at this point it's not, the story is more of a long-term story. And the folks, the folks there, if you can, deserve people from people spending time with them, not just coming in, grabbing something, and leaving. And I'm not sure I would be able to take the students for a long period of time and feel good about it. And I wouldn't feel good if about just going for an hour and then pulling them out. If you reconcile in your own mind the risk-benefit ratio just for yourself, would you like to go back and follow the story long term? I would. I would. You know, I think what uh, what motivates me to do that is again going and spending time and talking with people there, and we see how it's affected their lives and. You want to do something, you know, and I, it, there's always been a question of, well, how much can photography really do? But I do believe um, the more things are seen, the more things are heard, the more likely it is to sort of enter the general uh, consciousness of the public. Yeah. And if every everybody pulls out of there, then that lack of attention leaves them, you know, the those folks are fighters there. And, but, you know, one gentleman said to me, it feels like 4,000 people against the world. Now, when you have the spotlight of the national news, it's, it's not 4,000 against the world. So there's the question of anybody who continues to work there, how can you amplify their voices? Rebecca, I've kept you longer than I planned to. I do apologize for that, but really good conversation. 
you know, kind of, kind of touch base from time to time, or I'll keep an eye out on your Facebook page or other places where I can see what you're up to, and I would love to check back with you from time to time. If you ever want to, feel free to give me a give me a note, and we'll be happy to talk some more because I find this absolutely fascinating, and I really commend you and the students for the work, but I, I really commend you for doing the work. And, and uh, uh, again, I, I get that you got to figure out the personal decision about you know, whether you're putting yourself into harm's way or not. But I think there's a lot to be done there that somebody needs to do. And if you feel comfortable doing it, I think it would be great for you to do it. I appreciate your time today, though. i got to move on. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Is that okay? Thanks so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to share what's happening there. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. Rebecca Kiger, who is uh, a local teacher, educator, photographer, um, has been in East Palestine for uh, a couple of weeks on and off, uh, working for, among other things, the Washington Post. Took a group of students up there, which I think is really neat. If our video feed was ever working, Bob, I would be able to hold this up and show you the Washington Post pictures that the kids, have, the, the students got in the Washington Post. That's a pretty neat thing. So, uh, she's interesting. It's interesting. That's going to be a tough decision. Can you, you know, do you go into it? Do you, you want to go back? You want to do your job? You want to help understand the story better? You want to explain to the public more of what's going on? And then you say to yourself, but I didn't like the smell. You know what I'm saying, Bob? I didn't like the smell. Something feels wrong here. Yeah, and like she said, you know, headaches and uh, just something wasn't right. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to do the story, too, but you also got to look long term. Uh, That's right. You know, I, I think a lot of people are making mistakes. I think they should have evacuated everybody until they knew for sure. I, I it, it could be turned out great, and we're all hoping for that. But I just, I think they said, uh, "Oh, it's okay, it's okay." Way too soon, and that makes me not trust them, Howard. 